0: faithwire.com life after roe what will happen if indeed roe v wade is overturned and the the freak out on both sides is continuing we'll we'll break it down and more on today's podcast today is wednesday may 4th 2022 i'm dan andros we'll have that top story and more on the four and three podcast from cbn's faithwire subscribe to us on itunes we'd love to have you with us as we're going through the news of the day from a Christian perspective with me, as always, Trey Phillips, Billy Hallowell, with a quick look at what's coming up. What's going on, guys? Happy Hump Just Day. living the dream. Yep. Living the dream as always. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're halfway there. Halfway there. We do it every uh, time. You're welcome, America.
1: All right, what's coming up? Um, so President Trump, well, former President Trump, is weighing in on all things Disney, and he has his opinion of what Walt Disney would be thinking of everything going on. We'll mm. talk about that.
2: All right.
0: All
1: right. All
2: right. Well, we're also going to be talking about what happens in a post-Roe versus Wade world.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is still the big story today, clearly. Um, I'm going to talk uh, a little bit later about how Dave uh, Chappelle, obviously the famous comedian, was attacked on stage. And Jamie Foxx and and his security team, they all had to um, go and act. And, you know, there was some confusion. So it's a crazy story there. Uh, We'll break down some of the interesting details of that one as well. But we're going to start with the top story of the day, still uh, everything Roe v. Wade.
2: Yeah. So, you know, this is interesting because as the the hours now and the days are moving forward since this leaked document came out showing that the court will very likely, as far as we know, overturn Roe v. Wade, both sides are, are really reacting very strongly. And it's interesting because there's an argument to be made that both sides might be overreacting a bit to this. Now, let me just start with the fact that obviously, this is something that, that pro-lifers have been working on for you know almost 50 years now to try to overturn Roe v. Wade. But we have to understand what is sort of going to come because the, the key question is, what does it look like to be in a post-Roe v. Wade world? What, what will that be like here in America? And so uh, we actually sat down with Jeff Hunt. He's the director of the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. And he's been a longtime pro-life advocate, sort of just talking with him about what does this look like? What do we need to consider? And he actually brought up some really important uh, things. And this is a video that you can watch and also read the story over at Faithwire. But he talked about the fact that you know, Roe v. Wade created a line in the sand, basically saying, and most people might know this, but I think it's important to recap, that you know you can't restrict abortion before viability. So states had to allow and up until this time have had to allow abortion up until a baby is viable. You can restrict it after, and we know a lot of states have done so. The current battle, the Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization battle before the Supreme Court, the one on which they will rule, that is based on a 15-week abortion ban, right? 15 weeks is before viability, and that is what has sort of opened this Pandora's box of overturning Roe. So back to that key question, what does it look like if Roe is overturned? it returns basically the issue to the states. And so you go from having this national battle, right, over abortion, which is what we've had, and of course we've had local battles too, but it's been a mainstream national fight over whether or not abortion should continue. That moves to 50 separate, smaller battles all over the country. And Jeff Hunt was talking about his own state of Colorado. Colorado has recently basically provided Uh, You know, an avenue to unfettered abortion access, and they are going to continue to do that. You have states like New York and California that will very likely become travel abortion destinations, right? For people who live in states that won't have abortion. So, you're going to have a a very strange and different patchwork where you could be in a state like Texas with almost no abortion availability or none, depending on where the law goes after Roe v. Wade is toppled, or you could be in a state like Colorado, New York, or California. And so, there's going to be a map, we're gonna look at that map and things are going to be very, very different. And so he, you know, he talked about a number of the things that people really need to do, right? What do pro-lifers need to do then in this new era? If Roe v. Wade is gone, you are going to be engaging in local battles, not just local battles in your own state, but looking at other states to see where does abortion stand in those states? Do you need to get engaged and involved? And so it's interesting. It, it really doesn't mean that this battle is over. It's a new phase of the battle. And so, you know, we need to be aware of that and understand that. And again, be thinking just, you know, outside of the state that you're in. So there's a lot to consider there. Um, but, but really – it could end up being a much more chaotic battle than we have now, right? Because there's so many different fronts now that we're going to be considering. Now, having said all of that, you know, why it ma- Why does this matter? It matters because this is what pro-lifers have wanted. And if it does happen, it is going to open the door to to saving more unborn babies' lives, for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the viability argument is so arbitrary. And I think even Ruth Bader Ginsburg had pointed out problems with the Roe v. Wade ruling in the past. And the reaction here from the left, and we've seen Elizabeth Warren like screaming out. And as you mentioned, Billy, with the map, I mean, essentially, you're just going to have the ability to just drive to another state, or fly to another state. And this isn't like picking up groceries, like how many times do you need to get an abortion? So for the right, the overreaction would be this, oh, abortion is gone. And as you said, Billy, no, there's a big fight left on the state level. But on the left, I mean, if you're bent on getting an abortion, well, you know, it might be a little more inconvenient than before. But when you consider what's actually happening, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe people can actually... Think about it some more. So, and I know that side of the aisle doesn't see it that way. I saw all the late night shows last night. James Corden, Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Fallon, all of them just complaining about what a massive rollback of rights this was. And it's, that's the part I can't get over still guys in all this reaction as you lay out the fight that's still ahead, Billy. Is this the way it's framed and that it's the biggest rollback for women's rights in modern history. And I hear things like that. And it's just, it's a head scratcher when you consider what abortion actually is. But
1: there are, there are concerns, I understand from pro-lifers about, well, this doesn't necessarily go far enough. It doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't solve the issue. Uh, but it still is a major victory. And it's something like both of you have said that pro-lifers have been, uh, you know, should this opinion become official, obviously, this summer, uh, it's something that pro-lifers have been working toward for a very, very, very long time. Um, so, but I know Billy, you'll remember from the March for life when we were in DC in January, that was pretty much every single person that we spoke to consistently. The one thing they were saying was, yes, this is a victory, but it really just signals that we need to pivot because the fight is, is transitioning now from one major battle in Mm -hmm. DC federally. Um, to 50 small battles. And obviously there are plenty of states uh, that are going to be uh, pro-life and they've, they've already enacted the trigger laws and all that kind of stuff. So you're not going to need to fight in all 50 states, uh, but there are going to be you know, 30 so or 25 or whatever states where you are going to need to to be fighting uh and a lot of the people that we spoke with were saying so you know learn what your state has what your state's abortion laws are or are not um and get acquainted with your local lawmakers because at the end of the day pretty much all politics is local and that's how you make you actually make change you know Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah
2: no i mean that's the that's the key right and i think you know, and changing people's hearts, right? Changing the law yeah. is one thing, but you've got to be able to change people's hearts. If right. you don't do that, you don't you don't win the battle.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the easiest solution to all this is just don't kill your kid. But that's just me. That's just me yeah. in the middle of all this. But anyway, let's let's go on to story number two. All
1: right. Story number two. So former president Donald Trump spoke with CBN News' David Brody this week. Uh, and he said that if Walt Disney was looking down on his company right now. He would not be happy. Uh, so Trump's comments come, obviously, uh, amid the, the unfolding back and forth between the Walt Disney Company and Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis. And at the center of all of that, of course, is the parental rights and education law, uh, which prohibits teachers from, from teaching kids in pre-K through third grade about uh, gender identity and sexual orientation uh, so Disney's been obviously very outspoken against that and this is what uh, Trump told David Brody about that in particular he said I think what's happening with Disney and what's, uh, what Disney's doing while Disney is looking down and he's not happy Walt Disney said whatever happened to my beautiful magic kingdom uh, referring to obviously the, the parks there in, in Orlando, Florida Uh, So, But they were part of a broader conversation, Trump's remarks, uh, about transgenderism and, of course, attempts to teach kids about sexuality uh, at at what many people believe to be entirely, one, inappropriate ages, and also just completely inappropriate content because so much of it, so much of the LGBTQ talking points, of course, fly completely against uh, or completely counter to what scripture says about sexuality. Uh, So this is what uh, Trump had to say about the transgender issue more broadly. He said that's not the way that it should be. That's for sure. It's a terrible thing, especially when you're taking children that don't even have uh, this period to form. And, you know, in many cases, I hear 60 percent of the cases later in life, they say, why did they do this to me? referring to performing transgender surgeries or taking hormonal treatments. He said 60%. I think it's a terrible thing. Obviously, Trump was presumably referring to a handful of studies over the years that have shown that somewhere between 60% and 90% of those who express gender dysphoria as children usually go on to outgrow that uh, in adulthood. Um, so obviously, there there are studies going both directions, but there, there are several studies that do show Um, that dysphoria is something that can be outgrown in puberty uh, and isn't something that needs to be treated with irreversible treatments, uh, particularly as a kid. And Trump said he's opposed to teaching young children about sexuality in the classroom and even claimed that Christianity has a significant role to play in protecting kids from that kind of exposure. He said this is a different world, it's a new world, and I think actually it's going to be shut out. You know, who is going to get shut out or how is it going to get shut out? He said, "Common sense. It's common sense." But I think it's going, uh, and I think it's—I think religion is going to help shut it out. Uh, he said that nobody has done more for Christianity and religions of all types than him. Uh, Trump said this. Uh, he said they're really doing things now too. Uh, and I've always said this: they're doing things against organized religion, talking about the left and and those advocating for the LGBTQ agenda. Uh, he claimed that they are against. Christianity. So the backdrop of uh, of all this, of course, is um, the the mischaracterized "Don't Say Gay" bill, uh, which is what kind of sparked the conversation with uh, Trump and David Brody uh, to begin with. And the latest, of course, is the the Reedy Creek Improvement District, which we've talked about and you can read about on um, on FaithWire uh, That being disbanded uh, by June of 2023 uh, is obviously in response to all of this going on between Disney uh, in Florida and DeSantis. Uh, the governor said last week on Fox news, he's not comfortable having one company with their own government and special privileges when that company has pledged itself to attacking the parents in my state. Like I said, you can go on to faithwire.com and cbnnews.com uh, to read more about Reedy Creek, but also to see this interview between president Trump and David Brody.
0: Yeah fascinating interview and i mean look trump is no never short on quotes and big statements and uh you know he talked about how he was right on a lot of this stuff that he was that he was predicting and um it's hard to argue some of that when you look at places like disney when you look at what he did on the court i mean he promised putting these justices on and you know at least in the draft we we haven't seen the final version yet but that seems to have panned out as well so uh it, you know with him being banned from twitter and he's on truth social now where you know his, a lot of his fans are and um you know, republicans alike so not th- not like a twitter-sized platform where you have everybody from all <coughs> walks of uh political persuasions on there looking at the different views uh, and things said where trump could could be out there he's not there anymore and so you don't the, the, the mainstream media is just not putting him out there anymore. So it's interesting to hear his perspective now, as he's kind of looking in on the Biden administration and what's going on.
2: Well, yeah. And, and look, I mean, if you were wanting to run in 2024, these are the things you're going to speak on. This is what everybody has worked up about. It's education. It's, you know, what's happening ac- across the board here that he's speaking to. And so I just loved, I love the framing of the Walt Disney. He's looking down and he's not <laughs> happy. Yeah. Um, what happened to my beautiful magical kingdom? Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I, th- I think that these are going to be major issues. And abortion is always an issue. Obviously, I think mm-hmm. it's going to be a bigger issue. Um, and, it, and it may be one that the Democrats feel they finally have an in on because, you know, there's a lot you can manipulate with the numbers here and the polling to, to try to rally people around. So I mm-hmm. think it's going to be really interesting now in the midterms to watch abortion and education, really all children's issues, uh, I think, dominate.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, by the way, since uh, abortion obviously is the the news of, of the week, uh, we should say that Trump was asked uh, by David Brody about Senator uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, uh, who said that uh, they, he's blaming Trump, and so many across America are blaming Trump for this potential shift uh, on on Roe v. Wade from the Supreme Court. Uh, and Trump responded, and said, "Well, a lot of people are very happy about that. So some people may say it's my fault, and some people say thank you very much." <laughs>
0: very trumpian very trumpian uh, <laughs> yeah. statement there um, all right well let's head into uh, story number three and uh, this one is interesting guys because l- this happened last night so Dave Chappelle obviously popular comedian and he was performing at the Hollywood Bowl and if you've ever been there it's this it's a really it's actually a cool place uh, basically an outdoor venue with a covered you know, amphitheater type thing and everyone sits up on the hill. And looks down it's it's a very cool spot kind of built into the hillside there so anyway he's there performing there's a big crowd there and an attacker rushes on stage and now we know that he was carrying a knife and uh, also had a replica gun and this is a 23 year old man who was arrested is being held on thirty thousand dollars bail and uh, is facing a felony charge of assault with a deadly weapon that's pretty scary with a knife that's no joke I mean he didn't come out wielding the knife I think but still who knows what their intentions were but he stormed the stage while Chappelle was joking that he'd have to increase his security in light of his trans jokes at the Netflix is a joke festival and then the attacker then came up it's it's uh it's unclear right now if if he was searched kind of on the way in and how he was able to get onto the stage. I mean, there's certain, you know, security there, and but you know, that's one of those things you just even with security there. I mean, a crowd, it's a crowd, so there, it's hard. I mean, how do you know someone's going to run up on the stage? You just don't. So if they didn't have a security guy right in front of them, you only need a small window to go sprinting at the guy because uh, security is not going to stand right next to him. But but as it kind of unfolded, you know, there was some confusion. As to what was happening, but his security staff went after him, and Jamie Fox, the uh, you know singer and actor, he kind of came in uh, to help, and so uh, he thanked him, you know, later for that. Chappelle thanked Fox later for that, and he said, um, and then Fox Fox had an interesting comment too. He said, you know, at first he thought it was just part of the show. He didn't know what was going on. And then he said, look, I, I just want to say that Chappelle is an absolute genius. we got to make sure we protect him at all times. Um, and so, you know, a, a nice uh, show of uh, respect there for Chappelle. But but comedians respect him because he's obviously a brilliant comedian. But he has spoken in unpolitically correct uh, terms when it comes to the trans issue and a whole host of other issues. And people have talked about it, guys. And why, why, is I, why do I think this matters? Um, because people have talked about, um, the need to just be able to speak what you want to speak and particularly comedians find themselves on the front lines of this woke sort of agenda where you can't say anything. Comedians are getting canceled for jokes And they're sort of recognizing this. A lot of comedians are saying like, wait a minute here. If if we can't joke about certain things, then I mean, that's what comedians do. They take the things that are off limits and they make jokes about them. Uh, And and you look at this and it's I mean, Chris, Chris Rock made the joke at the Oscars. And what does um, Will Smith do? Goes up and slaps him. Then this guy's joking about the trans stuff. And, you know, I don't nobody knows what this person's motivation is yet. Uh, chappelle joked it was probably a trans man and um so but but this trend of this visceral we've got to shut everyone down i mean you talk about all the time guys we hear oh the you know you're like trump on january 6th he said we got to fight and then that led people to go storming into the Capitol. well if you're sitting here telling everybody that making a trans joke or or saying something controversial is automatically, hate. it's got to be shut down. Well, then wouldn't the logical conclusion be if you're applying that standard that you did to Trump on January 6th that, well, hey, this is your guy's fault then because you've made it like words are violence and this needs to be stopped. So don't know a lot about this attacker yet, but looking at some of the possible reasons why and um, and even just the fact that he felt the need to run up there and tackle the guy. Um, is is disturbing when you consider all the problems we're having with free speech these days.
2: Yeah, I think it's really a harbinger of things to come because you you just outlined the events that we've seen happen. and yeah, this is really it's so frustrating because the free speech battle, right? It, it's extending into everything. It's infecting everything. You used to think that comedy and entertainment were a little more shielded from these things. Now only not only are they not shielded, but you're actually in danger potentially if you make a joke that somebody's really offended by. And, you know, like, I I don't know, I feel like a few years ago, we all joked about the participation trophies and these things that we thought were just kind of bad, not good for kids, didn't really teach life skills. Um, That has really manifested itself into something much darker and much uglier. And these are, yeah, they're one-offs, they're anecdotal, but we're experiencing this throughout the culture. It's not just a you know oh here or there type thing it is something that is affecting us at every level and at some point this really just becomes unsustainable
1: hmm. and i think too since we since covid and everybody went online and it was it, everything became virtual i think that this was already happening but i think it was sped up by the pandemic which is i think twitter has morphed into actually real life like social media has morphed into actually real life like we used to like think, well, that that's Twitter. It's not what's happening in the real world. Uh, and you go into the real world and people are kind to each other and people don't have these really strong opinions and whatever, but I think we have, because we are so consumed by what's happening on social media, we're told by the news to be constantly outraged that we have dehumanized one another uh, and we have been so ginned up about all of these issues that I think often, and a lot of it is just we go back to talking about the spiritual layer of it, but it's true. A lot of it is there is a lack of spiritual awareness and obviously there's a lack of of godliness in a lot of these situations. And I think our left to our own devices, our sinful inclination is to act out against mm-hmm. and to lash out against one another. And I think we're seeing some of that. It just it's Twitter turned into real life is a person is not a person. They're just an issue that I disagree with. And like you said, Dan, words are violence. So I can justify in my head all of these actions. Uh, and unfortunately, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. But my hope is that once we see enough of these examples, people will be like, wow, this is not the culture, certainly that I want my kids to inherit. You yeah,
0: know? yeah, uh, definitely. And I mean, that's why we've talked about Bill Maher on this podcast and all kinds of different voices, not for what they their views are per se, but the fact that they're willing to say things that, you know, go against the, you know, whatever their party line is, or might be quote unquote controversial and defend their right to say it. You don't have to agree with everything. And I think that's where society is really getting on a dangerous track, because when you start deciding that anything I disagree with is sil- is, is speech that must be shut down, it never ends well. It never, ever, ever ends well. Apart. Yes, This is how
2: is. societies fall apart. It's how, you know, and you don't want to overstate these things, but this is how extremist regimes rise up. I mean, well, you basically, yeah. you you say nobody else can have any viewpoint. This is the only viewpoint. I mean, well, do yeah. we want to be China or America? Right. I don't and know. Even, I this, yeah. And even, totally. I,
1: Yeah. <laughs> this is what got Gina. You saying that is essentially what got Gina Carano canceled and canned <laughs> by Disney Plus. By the way,
2: yeah, sure. Well, I mean, cancel me. I don't know. I, it's just. It's You're right, crazy. though. You're right. It, yeah, it's crazy. It really well, is. Well, and
0: what's even and even worse, guys, than an authoritarian regime that we would all have to face together as people is. I mean, that would be bad enough. But the but the other nasty side effect that happens when you chill speech and just decide that anyone who disagrees with me needs to be shut down well whoever's in charge then now all you're pitting everyone against each other and they're not just someone you disagree with they're your enemy and i mean we saw that with covid where they really pitted you against you know the biden administration did this and you know not just singling him out because you know lots of people did this on both sides of the aisle just depending on what side of the issue you're on but if you weren't wearing a mask, you were out there killing people. I mean, right. how do you think people, if they buy into that logic, how do you think they're going to look at the, their fellow neighbors who don't have a mask on during that time, right? They're,
2: right. they're going to look at them.
0: Guy yeah, guy. you've been conditioned to think that way. You're going to be angry at them and despise them and think, wow, they're so self... So when you set society to hate up to hate each other, uh, that's probably arguably even arguably even more dangerous than just a regime that we'd have to face which is bad enough i don't want that either but uh yeah it's either way i mean this whole silencing of speech thing and and that kind of reaction to something you don't like is just it's not good that we're seeing more of that and let's just pray that it doesn't continue to get worse so yeah all right well hey guys that's all the time we have for this episode of the Four and three podcast today as always, head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. And um, as always, if the Lord's willing and the creek doesn't rise, we'll be back here tomorrow on Friday, Jr. See, we're, we're more than halfway there, guys. I mean, we can do it. We can do it. Weekend's coming in high. God bless everybody. See you tomorrow.